0: Hey guys, if you hadn't heard, sports betting is now live in Massachusetts. We're passing along this awesome promo for new DraftKings customers. Deposit in place a $5 wager on any sport to get $200 added to your account in bonus bets guaranteed. Use our code BASTARDS at sign up to redeem. Using our promo code BASTARDS is a great way to support the pod. So if you don't yet have a DraftKings account, do us a solid and sign up with code BASTARDS and place that first bet. New customers only, 21 plus and physically present in Massachusetts. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-327-5050. Valid. One offer per customer. Minimum $5 deposit and $5 wager required. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets and expire seven days after being awarded. See full terms at DraftKings.com.
1: Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. If you are a new listener, we're happy to have you aboard. For those of you who have been here, you already know the deal. For better or worse, we live and die by this team just like all of you, and we make no apologies for that. I am your host, Jason Kelly, coming to you from Canton, Massachusetts. You can find me on Twitter at Color of the Iris, and you can find our podcast account at bastards underscore Boston. Joining me tonight from the mile high city of Denver, Colorado, by way of Quincy, Massachusetts. Andrew Duan, Andrew, how's it going?
0: Uh, going well, dealing with baseball, but also 20-degree weather and snow, so it sucks. Uh, I hate it. Um, I need spring. But before we get too far, everyone make sure you like and subscribe. You can find this podcast on Apple Pods, um, Spotify, and wherever else you can find you know, whatever podcast. So please rate and review if you could. That'd be great.
1: Awesome. And where can they find you on Twitter, real quick?
0: That's going to be at Andrew Dwan MLB.
1: Great. And joining us also from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, by way of Wyndham, Maine, Terry Cushman. Terry, how are you?
2: not doing too bad but better than the Red Sox they are currently in sole possession of last place with a record of 2 and 4 four games back from the undefeated 6 and 0 Tampa Bay Rays having their best start in franchise history
1: yeah Red Sox unfortunately coming off a sweep by hand of the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates and uh, for the Pirates that's their first road series sweep since 2018 so we get to hang our head on that we uh, we helped them make a little bit of history from themselves so that was great uh, so what we're gonna do here on the midweek show is we're gonna give you sort of a top five reasons as to what why it went down the way that did this series and um, Unfortunately, like I said, a series sweep. Red Sox lose all three games. So we're going to give you the top five reasons why that was. We'll start at the bottom of the list. So, Terry, go ahead. I believe this is yours. What's the number five reason on the list?
2: I'm going to go with Tristan Casas. The Red Sox were pretty flat uh, in games uh, two and three. And really, they, they were actually flat. Beyond uh, the first inning of uh, Game 1, they only scored, what was it? Actually, I want to say it was the third inning, actually, because Costas did hit uh, a two-run shot, and then we only scored two more runs after that the whole series. So you're talking, what's that, 24 innings of just two-run ball after that, And Casas just doesn't look comfortable at the plate. Uh, He's not swinging at, you know, at bad pitches. He's not Bobby Dahlbeck up there. So I'm not, I'm not suggesting he's going down that Avenue, but he's not barreling the ball. He's not, you know, he's not really hitting it hard. And even that home run he had, it, it was kind of a, it was kind of a fly ball that just carried. And, and didn't quite wrap around the pesky pole, but it just wasn't, uh, it it just wasn't a hard shot. And I think, you know, he has to be a big part of this offense and it doesn't matter where he's hitting in the order, but if we're not getting good production out of him, it's just, I just think we're, we're not as dynamic. To his credit, he did play great defense all series. I mean, he could have line drives hit at him all day long, and he he stabs them all and fields them, and no no complaints about his defense, but he is off to a, a bit of a slower start than I expected.
0: Yeah, I mean, with Cossis. I think it is very important to realize, you know, for everyone to keep in mind that you know this is essentially a first-year rookie. He got ninety-one at-bats at the you know ass end of last year when everything was decided, nothing really mattered. There was no pressure, and you know this year he's coming out. The defense has looked really good. He had a really bad game where he struck out, and he didn't look too great on any of the strikeouts. I think he had three strikeouts that uh, that game. So
2: game one, yeah.
0: Yeah, that was tough for him. I mean, he has a great eye at the plate. He's not chasing. So that's that's awesome. I mean, not expanding the zoning. He is hitting the ball pretty hard right now. Um, you know, he's 78 percentile right now in max exit velocity. So he is hitting it on the line. He had that kind of you know clutch one the other night. They you know didn't really ha- turn into anything because they, they lost, but into right center field. He just needs to get the repetitions in and I think, you know, once he gets more comfortable, gets a little more protection behind him, uh, maybe sees a fastball or two, he'll uh, start settling in there.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's a six-game sample size, so everything's under just a gigantic microscope right now, including Casas, um, who I think we're all pretty high on. But he he has looked a little bit uncomfortable, and it's almost like at times he's too patient at the plate, particularly in this series, I, that game you mentioned, Andrew, where he struck struck out multiple times, there was one at bat where he saw two breaking balls right down the pipe. I mean, they they were meatballs, just right down the middle. He looked at both of them, and then the third pitch was a slider down by his feet that he chased, and he struck out swinging. And you could see him walking away, just kind of shaking his head. And you know, it's almost like he knows he's pressing, but he doesn't know how to just you know s- settle into his zone and, and be himself um i agree defensively he's been pretty solid although that play today where he tried to pick the runner at third on a tag play not that, even a first that play,
2: was bad yeah that
1: was not good yeah and and that's again that's a rookie who's trying to do too much who's pressing and his team's just lost the first two games of the series and he's trying to do everything in his power to make a play cuz That old adage: somebody's got to make a play if if the team's going to get back into it. So, I can't get too mad at him for it. He's trying his best. You know, he's trying to get the team back in it, but it it was not uh, a well advised play. It was it was pretty dumb, and it kind of cost them. So,
2: just real real quick. I mean, he's three for nineteen in the two series. Only drawn two walks, and he was drawing a number of those last year. So. I think his on base was like 150 points higher than his average and uh so that that just speaks to the fact he just doesn't look quite as comfortable uh, at the plate. He had another defensive play today. I forget who the pitcher was on the mound, but he didn't he didn't have very good backup coverage and remember he tried to dive at the base runner, but he was, yeah it
1: was it was the bunt play.
2: Oh, yeah, that was it, the bunt was, play. Gotcha. It was right.
1: when Brian Hayes bunted towards him, and yeah. uh, Schreiber was running over to pitch on the ball, and Casas took over and
2: yeah. got off
1: the base and completely kind of blew the play. So, yeah, not a great game defensively for him.
2: And that uh, bunt drove uh, Reynolds home. Uh, yeah. So that's all I got on Casas.
1: Okay. Yeah, I mean we'll we'll see what happens. You know, we'll see what happens as the season goes on. But uh, slow start for him for sure. Uh, number four on the list, Andrew, what do we got?
0: Well, speaking of slow starts, uh, the middle infield, um, unfortunately Christian oroyal has gone off to a really slow start. Um, he's in 188. Again, I, I actually hate using batting averages right now, you know, when they only have less than 20 plate appearances, but um he is, he's gotten dicked on a couple of bats. I will I'll, I'll give him credit on there. There was one the other day where I'm sure all the hot mics, you know, picked it up and everyone heard uh, his thoughts on those two inside pitches. He has not looked great. Uh, hasn't looked comfortable at the plate so far. And I actually kind of expected him to get off to a faster start. He had a great spring. Um, now, I'm sure he will. Uh, just God, I hope he you know gets off to you know a better start now and doesn't get dinged up. But they need him to produce because he's one of the catalysts at that back end of the uh, of the lineup. You know, like, what has he been around seven or eight lately? I, I feel like he's sat around there. But they they really do need him to start driving in some runs. You know, pick up some of these batters. I just. I, we know he's not gonna be in that position all year. Luckily, we had that Jen, uh, Jen McCarthy, the um, whoever writes for the, aticle, uh, the uh, Athletic. Can't think of her last Jen name. Jen McCaffrey. McCaffrey, that's right. Huh. Kind of split the difference in that. Um, saying that Trevor Story has been ramping up his workouts, so that's you know something to look forward to. Obviously, I wouldn't count on it until this. We know that Mondesi is going to be June, so. He just has to pick it up for the next 50 ish games. They need some production out there. Defense has been okay there. I know he botched a couple, you know, would be double plays on transfers. One, Cedric Mullins took him out uh, in the last series, but he just needs to really kind of find a stride.
2: He did have a, a decent, uh, game today and uh, had his first run driven in. He had a kind of a chopper to the, uh, I think it was the shortstop and wasn't able to field it. And the lone Red Sox run came in today, but he has been uh, pretty quiet. Let's see, two for seven in this series and then against the Orioles over the weekend, only one for nine. So yeah, you would hope that he would be producing a little bit more. And i said on the weekend show, he has to have a lot of pressure on him because there's more help coming up in the pipeline here. Uh, you know, Mondesi probably will get some looks uh, before Trevor Story gets back and if that happens in July. But I think at the end of the day, I mean, it's going to be Story at second base.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, one story's healthy and he's good to go. That job's his. I mean, you know, especially if Arroyo is going to play like this. Um, and it was funny because people were clamoring for Yu Chang, you know, after Arroyo got so slow start. I don't think he's the answer either, unfortunately. Um, I know he looks pretty good in the in the World Baseball Classic, but this is a little bit of a different animal that he's facing now.
2: I think oh. that guy's more of a foray player. Oh, so. for 4 I'm, with four stri- uh, 3 strikeouts.
0: Yeah, Chang. and Those visa issues didn't help Chang out either. But I do wonder, you know, if Emmanuel Valdez gets off to a really, really good start down in, uh, God, I almost said Pawtucket, we need a swear jar for that one. In Worcester, if, you know, two weeks of hot uh, Valdez or three weeks of hot Valdez and three weeks of cold second base production, Spurs will change. I, I'd be very interested to see how that plays out.
1: That would be particularly interesting because again, your lineup is very lefty heavy to begin with. If uh, you bring up Valdez to take out a righty bat, it's you know it's going to make yeah, Horus yeah, life a little more difficult. But, I didn't
0: really think of that one,
1: but it's it's fair to say. I mean, if if Arroyo can't get it going and Yu Chang can't get it going, and Valdez is off to a hot start, you you need offense you know somewhere in the back end of that lineup. I don't hate the idea, but it will make it a little more complicated. Any other thoughts on Arroyo or the middle infield situation?
2: Kike has been pretty cool as well. Um, I think he might have finally turned it up. On, uh, I'm getting my series mixed up here. My bad. Uh, No, he was 0 for 9 this series, so it was on the Baltimore series. So not a ton of production out of that middle infield offensively.
1: Yeah, and I think defensively, Kike's been okay at shortstop. He, he already has that one throwing error where he kind of threw off his back foot. Even Euculus pointed that one out. He said, you know, you, you can't can't back up at shortstop and, and make a throw like that. It's always going to go in the dirt, and it's just never going to go well. So hopefully those two guys start to wake up a little bit because, boy, that bottom part of the lineup needs it.
2: And in in Kike's defense, though, well, I I don't know if I should be defending him, but it's not uncommon for him to to have a slow start and then to turn it up and uh, start producing. Yep, that's
1: certainly true. Uh, Number three on our top five list, Terry, who we got?
2: We have Cutter Crawford. And uh, Crawford was a little bit unlucky in that first inning. I think there was an error. There was another ball that went off the first base bag, which we're starting to see a little bit of because they're bigger bags now. And um, but, you know, at the end of the day, he was charged with seven earned runs. All three of those um, pitches that ended up being home runs caught a pretty good part of the plate. A couple of them might have been middle in, but a lot of the league is going to going to crush those types of pitches, and four innings, that's all you got out of him, you know, and they had to go to the bullpen, so um, I, when people talk about the depth in the Red Sox pitching system, I mean, he's on the higher end of that depth, and I just don't think I don't think he's viable. And this was not a good offense. I mean, there were just a few guys doing most of the damage here and um just not not a good start from Crawford. Also, uh, you know, walked a couple as well. So it was uh four innings pitched, eight hits, seven earned runs, two walks, struck out six, and then three went over the fence. So not good.
0: Yeah, with Crawford, it was a weird start. You know, I don't know why that official score changed that from an error to a hit. That seemed kind of like an injustice to uh, Cutter on that one when they switched it over. It's like, all right, well, enjoy those three runs, buddy. But um, Devers had to make that play, quite frankly. I, I just, I was shocked he didn't. Um, and I don't know where Kike was either on that. So yeah, that has, that has to get caught. His, his changeup looks really good. I will say that. Um, I think he got several whiffs on that. I don't think anyone made contact on it, but he did not, you know, he didn't get it done quite frankly. If he can give you four innings and maybe move to a swingman role, then, you know, that might suit him better. He had a really good stretch last year in the rotation, but they're going to have to find four arms that, you know, go away soon because you're going to have four pitchers that are coming back and Paxton, uh, Whitlock, um, Bayo, and I'm blanking on one more, but you, I don't know who else you're going to look at. Uh, you're probably looking at Brazier, Ort, and who's the last. So I don't know if it's Crawford. I, it's gonna be interesting. Interesting to see how these things kind of unfold. Crawford needs to come out uh, next game and really kind of pitch his ass off and really, you know, hold a pretty strong audition
2: before Jason weighs in. It, maybe one more start and then wh- he must be the odd man out once Whitlock comes back.
0: Whitlock's coming back for the Tampa series. There he um, Tuesday is like. that start. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the Tuesday. I don't know. I just you can't take Winkowski out. You can't take him out of the and He's been nails. It's Brazier, Ort, and
2: well, they'll probably want Crawford starting games. I would think, or no?
0: I don't know how long Bayo is going to be, or how far Bayo is going to be behind, uh, you know, Whitlock on there.
2: He's going to make one more start, I think, in the Miners. Bayo will, and then yeah. So he he's probably looking at late next
1: week. So yeah. And at the end of the day, I, I think Crawford has probably a little more time because they're also waiting on Paxton, but he's much further out. Um, so he, he could buy himself some time. I think Ort is kind of an obvious one. Maybe, I don't know, maybe a Zach Kelly or something from the pen, although he's actually been pretty sharp so far, but I think Zach Kelly isn't a guy that they're super invested in long term. So Look, I, on Monday, I tweeted out, you know, deaf pitchers are labeled as such because this is kind of what you get there. You don't really want them starting, you know, and I, it's a game against Pittsburgh in April, so I hate to call it meaningful, but you don't want them making meaningful starts. You want them doing what Josh Winkowski is doing, where hopefully you're up by a ton of runs and he just comes in for two or three innings, mop up duty, you know, maybe gives up a run or two, but keeps you, you know, keeps your lead and. Just kind of does that. I think that's more in Crawford's future. I think that at times last year he flashed. At times in spring training this year he flashed. And I think a lot of people said, ooh, maybe they've got something here. But I think that he's just kind of a swing man, you know, and and that's where he's going to end up. So the bad news is that he was terrible on Monday and he completely took you out of the game. I know the defense let him down too, but you can't give up three dingers to that horrible pittsburgh lineup i know two of them are reynolds reynolds is a great player but you can't give up three home runs to that lineup and expect to be a major league starter you just can't do it um but the good news is that you know i know we got probably a couple more starts from him but it shouldn't be too too much longer before he's really in the role that he's designed to be in
2: question real quick before we continue um are you guys a soft no, or a hard no on putting Meyer in a trade package for Reynolds. Having seen him, you know, do a little bit of damage.
0: A oh, hard no. I mean, hard you can, no. yeah, you can find an outfielder via trade if you need. To. I mean, yeah, you just call up St. Louis <laughs> if you want to get an outfielder. I'm not trading Marcelo Meyer in a you know five star leap shortstop prospect.
1: I'm a soft no, but. It, I, I could be convinced to, to be a hard no on it, but I, I'm always the guy that I like the proven talent. To me, Brian Reynolds is a proven talent. He's still under 30. He's a five-tool player. Now, the only problem is that you don't have room for him right now, so you'd have to jettison one of your outfielders in that deal as well. Um, but I'm, I'm a soft no for now because I, I do think Mayer could be the real deal. And look, now that Bogarts is gone, you've got a hole at shortstop. You're going to have to fill pretty soon. So I'm not – exactly eager to trade my top shortstop prospect right now
2: yeah and just to be clear i'm i'm probably i'm more of a soft no as well and i'm never a big you know trade your prospects guy you know the audience has never heard me come on here and say let's clear it out and get talent immediately but he was fun to watch and every winter you'll see red Sox fans on twitter trying to come up with a mock trade to get a guy like reynolds and uh you know his popular name and uh, i would
0: say yeah, I, I'm with. There's no untradable prospect, no such thing. But I think I honestly need a player a step above Reynolds for uh, a, a Marcelo Meyer conversation.
2: Yeah, and I not that it makes a difference, but I should have prefaced it with uh, an extension in place. And I I think the Trevor Story contract and maybe add a year to that is uh, you know would be decent market value for a guy like Reynolds. Apparently they ha- they had a The framework of a deal worked out money-wise, but Reynolds wanted an opt-out in the deal, and that was the big snag. So nothing was consummated. There was an opening day deadline that Reynolds gave the Pirates, but I guess there is um, still some dialogue uh, taking place. But if they could just get that done, find a little bit more offense, that pitching staff looked okay. Like... I I could see they're probably about a year behind the Orioles by the looks of it, I would say. So, and uh, so anyway, uh, we are going to step aside for about 90 seconds and we will be right back.
1: Okay. So, number two. On our top five list of what exactly went wrong in this series for top five reasons, uh, I'm actually going to throw Alex Cora onto this list. I did not think Alex Cora was on his game in this series at all. And the only way I could think to describe it is that to me, it felt like he was chasing the game the entire series and it got away from him quick. And it started with the base running. I mean, 14 for 14 to start the season. You know, going back to the Baltimore series, obviously, but it really, Pittsburgh ran all over you in this series again. And look, that's the kind of team they are. They're a small market team. They don't have a ton of power in their lineup. Um, That's how they're going to generate runs. They're going to do small ball and they're going to run. But Cora looked completely unprepared for it. And he's looked unprepared with the new rules and the pitch clock and the lack of disengagements that you can do. He's looked completely just at a loss ever since the se- this season has started. Um, so I didn't like that. I didn't like that the Pirates were basically outclassing you when it came to bunting and running and all that. And then there's a, there was a play today where it's late in the game. You're down 4-1. to one, Verdugo gets on, and you got Devers coming up with one out. And he decides to call for a hit-and-run. Now, he did a hit-and-run earlier in the series with, again, Verdugo was on base, but Justin Turner was up, and it worked. Because Verdugo took off, the defense shifted over to cover the bag, and Turner did what Justin Turner can do, which was take an outside fastball, hit it on the ground the other way, and get through that open hole. But that's because Justin Turner's more of a ground ball, line drive hitter anyway. Raphael Devers is the best hitter in your lineup. He's a run-producing machine, and he's a power hitter. So he likes to hit the ball in the air. Why would you call for a hit-and-run You're down three runs. You've got a runner on base with one out. Why would you call for a hit-and-run there? Why not just let Rafael Devers do his thing, potentially hit one out of the ballpark, and all of a sudden you've got a one-run game, or at the very least, hit one into the gap and score Verdugo and get the offense rolling. Instead, he calls for a hit-and-run, Devers bloops it into center, and Verdugo gets doubled up, and it ends the inning. Just completely took the wind out of the sails of that team late in that game. They'd already lost the first two games of the series. And it was almost like they just kind of gave up after that. And then, you know, again, today's game, Kluber was cruising. He was pitching really well. Only gave, only made one mistake to Carlos Santana. And that was, let's face it, a Fenway Park special. It wasn't exactly, you know, a, a towering 500 foot home run he gave up. It was a line drive that wrapped around the pole. But Kluber was pitching well. He's only at 67 pitches. And Cora takes him out in a one run ball game and puts in John Schreiber. Now, look, I get it. They view John Schreiber as the second-best reliever in that bullpen, probably, next to Canley Jansen. So I get that, you know, okay, one-run game, instead of bringing in my closer early, let me bring in my second-best guy. But Schreiber struggles, gets a bunch of guys on base, gives up a run, and then the next guy you bring in is Caleb Ort, one of your worst relievers in the pen, and a guy who, like we said earlier, is probably not going to be on this team pretty soon once guys get healthy. That made no sense. It was still a close game. Your team still had a chance to get back in it. And you brought in one of your worst relievers. Where was Chris Martin? Chris Martin was one of your big prizes of the year. Like you asked him to. And he's been good so far this year. Chris Martin didn't pitch a single inning in this whole series. So I just feel like Cora is a little bit behind right now. And it's it feels like he's chasing the score every single game. And when you're getting outmanaged by teams like the Pirates and the Orioles, that's really concerning when you haven't even faced the medal of the American League yet. So I'm hoping it's just it's early, you know, Cora's still kind of getting used to the new rules and, you know, he's getting used to his new lineup and, and he'll get right again. But he did not have a good series and he hasn't had a good start to the season either.
0: Yeah, my biggest gripe was the Kluber one, and honestly, there's not much more to add to it. But he, Kluber's a vet; he wasn't. At, what was? How many pitches was he at? Was it like
2: sixty-seven? Sixty-seven.
0: Okay, that's what I thought, and then I was like, "Wait, no, that doesn't sound right." It's <laughs> because it's not right. You know, you don't take a guy out there; he's he's an established veteran. Let him go another. I, I wasn't I wasn't happy with that decision by him. As far as like the stolen base things are concerned, I'm not too sure what they can do right now. they got to get used to it. There's definitely you know a little bit of a learning curve, I think, league-wide. I know as of yesterday, it was an 84% success rate. People are just running wild. And I would actually like to see the Red Sox run a little bit more, but that's a different discussion. Um, I don't know who's not telling the pitchers that they can still throw over. It hasn't been banned. They really aren't. They, you know, we haven't gone to the point where it's like, oh crap, he's thrown over twice. Watch out. That that isn't, you know, a thing now. And guys are just taking walking leads. That's my biggest issue right now when it comes to you know the stolen base, the throwing over, things like that. So hopefully, uh, hopefully that gets addressed because if they don't, then teams are just gonna, you know, have a field day against them in that
2: department. Kluber had actually retired 14 of the last 15 batters. So he was rolling and probably could have got through the sixth inning on 10 or 12 pitches, maybe even less than that. He only struck out two guys. It it was fast contact outs that he was getting. And this is a lineup, like I said, they're not super dynamic. I know they had a nice bunt play to, to get a run in, but I mean, you're you're not going to get beat by that lineup, you know, if, if you're pitching well. And then as Jason said, you didn't, you, you didn't even use your best relievers. So they were at your disposal if if Kluber goes six or seven. So that was extremely frustrating. Um, I think, yeah, Ort got uh, tagged for a couple of runs. He, him and Brazier kind of sank us in, in game one which I didn't like because the very next day and I mean game one of the season the very next day was an off day so why are you why are you putting Ort and Brazier in there when everybody got to rest the next day it, you know in a close game they they should have uh they should have just rolled with their best relievers and got the tried to get the season off on the right note and Alex core has never even won on opening day <laughs> go figure and uh, the other thing I didn't like was when I, I, I'm i a late sleeper, I, I wake up usually around 10 or 11 every day, get out of bed, look at the lineup. The bottom four spots had some combination of Arroyo, who's been ice cold, Rymel Tapia, uh, Yu Chang, and uh, Connor Wong, who's hitting under 100 right now. When you see that, and then you don't have Kike Hernandez or Adam Duvall in the lineup. You're you're almost punting on the game. You're almost punting on the game. And I thought Game Three was the one game I picked us to win. I, I thought it would actually be a higher scoring game with Kluber and Keller. But um, but I, based on what we've seen from Kluber, I mean he was gonna probably need some run support and that's what Alex Cora ran with there is no urgency here and everybody gets a a day off on Friday again there's there's no change in the mindset here for Alex Cora it's the same every season and every season we're uninspired and I'm I'm about done with it I I've seen enough of Alex Cora He's not going to outmanage the best managers in the league, I don't think. He's not innovative. I, I don't remember the last time I saw Cora do something. Go, oh wow, that was brilliant. You know, we haven't seen that in a while, or you just don't see that with Alex Cora. I mean, what makes him a good manager? I asked this on social media. What makes him a good manager? And the common, the common response was for those that were trying to say nice things about him is. Well, he connects well with the players. What good does that do? If anything, he's too soft on the players. I just, I just feel like, you know, we we have a very flawed roster right now, and uh, a very flawed manager. So that's that's not a good recipe.
1: Yeah, and I'm certainly not about to go on a uh, fire Alex Cora campaign because i do believe in in the theory of the grass isn't always greener we saw that during the ron reneke year um now granted that was covid and a bunch of players quit that year but still there's a lot of bad managers in baseball too um you know we'll we'll be getting to that in a different show at some point but at the same time it's like this is not good enough and like you said we have a flawed roster with a lot of new faces here so the manager has to get them all together and get them all playing cohesively and not playing stupid baseball. Um, Because when you play stupid like this and you lose bad games like this, when it goes on for too long, that does get a manager fired, whether he necessarily deserves all the blame for it or not. Um, You know, Tony Mazz said that today after the game on the radio He's like that kind of baseball gets people fired. So, you know, for Alex Cora's own sake, he better get into his players heads and, and get them going again, because it's just not good enough. Um, so with that, we'll get to the number one killer for the Red Sox in this series. Andrew, what was number one on the list of things that went wrong?
2: The
0: number one thing was the defense. Uh, every time they fumbled it, it, it it killed them. It changed the game. You saw it with Cutter Crawford. You know, working a great inning, then Devers botches one, then three runs. You saw it with Nick Pavetta. Looking great. Strikes the guy out. Pass ball. No no reason for it to be a pass ball. Usually it's a wild pitch. You know, like, holy crap, I can't believe the guy swung at it. No. Great pitch. Pass ball. Next batter. Two run home run. So it just changed the whole momentum of, you know, each of the first two games. I was, you know, not thrilled with that whatsoever. I, I've never seen so many mistakes go punished as quickly as each of you know the critical errors in the series did there was never like all right well they screwed up but they got out of it no it, it really was like they screwed up there's the knife stab and then the home run we're twisting it so the pirates to their credit took full advantage of that uh, throughout the series they got to figure this out they got to clean it up um i know there were some talks in the baltimore series about the drop transfers during the double play i don't I'm not bringing those into the equation here. I'm bringing in, you know, the routine plays that have to get made that weren't, and that really, you know, set the tone for a sweep.
2: It, it, you know, I kind of just ranted on Cora, and I, I think part of it's a leadership thing. Part of it might be a coaching thing, and it just seems like when things are not going well, the team just becomes more and more prone to it. You know guys like Devers and uh, Verdugo who had some blunders uh, on the base pass today that that wasn't defense related, but you know, it speaks to a lack of focus and I just wish they would clean it up and like Andrew said, you know it, everything came back to haunt us and um, another thing too, in relation to the defense, Masataki Yoshida is gonna need a cutoff, man. <laughs> that arm is not good, and Devers should have cut off the pro uh, the throw and probably, you know, or or even Yoshida probably should have thrown it to second. There was no there was no chance at the plate, but uh, you know, either way, he does not have a good arm. He's not gonna have a ton of outfield assists, if any, and um, so and runners are gonna run on him. You know, I, I think we're they're finding that out right now, so that's uh, another thing. It, it's again just a very flawed team, you know, defensively, and you know, it, it cost us this series for sure. Yeah, when
1: Duvall is not playing, that outfield defense is a little bit suspect. Um, Yoshida, I thought first. You know, first couple of games of the season, I thought, you know, what was all the panic about his defense? Like all those so-called scouting reports that said he, he was a butcher in the field. He looked okay. You know, last couple of games, um, you know, misplayed a ball off the wall, the the throw to home that he really shouldn't have made. Like you mentioned that, uh, you know, nearly got O'Neill Cruz and Rafael Devers killed. Um, wasn't great. Ryan Tapia is nothing special in the outfield either. Um, he, he, he doesn't look comfortable anytime he's out there. Verdugo has a strong arm, but he's he's got one of those like strong arm, but doesn't know where it's going whenever he throws it. So the outfield defense can be a little bit suspect. Um, Casas, we mentioned that earlier, that, that throw to third and, you know, jumping off the bag to try and play a bunt, that didn't look good. Um, Reese McGuire, I don't blame Reese McGuire or Connor Wong for the stolen base issue. Uh, you know, I'm not bringing that into it, but – I thought it was interesting. The pass ball was terrible. And then I was listening to the baseball hour and Carabas was on there. And he mentioned that, you know, getting an up close look at Reese McGuire, he basically said, like, I don't see any arm strength when he throws to second, they look like lollipops and guys are going to run all over him. And I remember when we had those conversations about Kevin Ploiecki, whenever he had to play over Christian Vasquez. So I don't know if either of your catchers are all that great defensively. Um, so that's a little bit of a concern, too. And Rafael Devers, yeah, he, he as much as he's improved over the years on defense, he still makes some bonehead plays. So it, it's just stupid baseball. It's stupid losing baseball that they've been playing through the first six games. And I don't think they're this bad defensively. I just think that they're, I don't know, they're all out of sorts for some reason. Like you said, maybe it's coaching related. Maybe it's focus related. I don't know. But they can't be this bad. If they are, it's going to be a long Long summer, so uh, hopefully they straighten it out soon.
2: Alex core is just going to give him a hug after they make an error, and, <laughs> you know. Then we're going or another day more. off or another day yeah. off. Yeah, yeah, that could happen. Yep.
1: So with that, uh, we'll get into the preview of the Detroit Tigers series that's coming up. That starts tomorrow afternoon. They've got another uh, matinee day game tomorrow on Thursday or today depending on when you're listening to this so the first matchup of the series we've got Chris Sale going for the Red Sox and he'll be going up against Spencer Turnbull um we were looking this up earlier and I mentioned these two guys have very similar ERAs to start the season Chris Sale with his 21 ERA will be going up against Spencer Turnbull and his 27 ERA uh Terry what do you think of that matchup?
2: I'm not going to pick Chris sale to win any games until he finally wins one. Uh, I just feel like I've never seen a guy look so emotionally defeated out there on the mound. Like I saw in his start against Baltimore and Baltimore did see him what two or three times at least in spring training. So perhaps there, there got to be a little bit of familiarity there, but Chris sale, He's not gonna be a step ahead of this Tigers lineup as underwhelming as they might be. Um, you know, it seems like everybody else is always a step or two in front of him. So could be a high scoring game, but give me uh the Tigers in game one. I've
0: gone back and forth like 20 different times during this recording for this one. I'm like, God damn it. I hope he doesn't pick me first, but going second doesn't help me. Um I want to say the bigger ballpark will help Chris Sale, though I think they did just lower the fence there. But um, I also hate the veteran team going on the road and playing an early game. So by default, I'm, I'm going to pick the Red Sox. i can going regret this, but uh, I'll pick the Red Sox in this one. I think it will probably be ugly – it's either going to be high scoring or like no runs at all. I I have no idea with this one. I looked up the weather, it's going to be like 50 degrees. So, I have zero grasp on this one, but I'll pick the Red Sox.
2: It is their home opener for what it's worth, so I don't know yeah, if they'll it. be more up for it, but
1: <laughs> Yeah, I that makes me feel good cuz I'm going with Detroit. Um, I this is the this just gives me the air of like the classic Alex Cora I'm going to give Devers this game off because he'll get the Friday game off too. Cause they have a day off on Friday. They play Saturday and Sunday. And this just reeks of Alex core, what he used to do with Xander Bogarts and all his other star players where he wants to give them the two games back to back off, you know, with the rest day in there. So I think you're going to see either Devers or like Yoshida out of the lineup tomorrow or Justin Turner or something like that. So they'll be missing a big offensive weapon. And I don't know how you can really trust Chris Sale right now, given the way that he looked uh, in his debut. I'd like to think that he's going to come back angry and he's going to, you know, with some vengeance and, he, and he's going to look better. But I just, I've lost all sorts of trust in that guy. So I'm going to go with Detroit. Uh, so game two will be on Saturday. Like I said, they've got the off day on Friday. That'll be at four ten, And we've got Tanner Houck going up against Joey Wentz. Uh, Terry, what do you think?
2: I'm not familiar with Wentz. Uh, you know, he's listed here as a lefty, and most of our really good bats are lefties. So uh, I don't know if that means we're going to get guys like Ref Snyder in the lineup and Connor Wong. And um, so I'm, I'm not sure how much run support uh, Tanner will have, but. He is coming off of a pretty good start. So I'll, uh, I'll go with the Red Sox in game two.
0: Yeah, you're going to get the righty heavy lineup on this. Joey wants his really good career numbers against left-handed uh, hitters. So I don't think we'll see Tristan. I don't think, you know, I, we're not, we're going to get Connor Wong, of course. And I, I, I'd assume they'll probably give you a sheet of the day off. He hasn't had one yet. Um, so why not? I'm picking Detroit on this just because I I don't like the I don't like the matchup on this.
1: I don't love the matchup either, but I'm gonna go with the Red Sox on this one um because it's the only starter for the Red Sox that I trust in this series, and it's Tanner Houck. And that's, you know, I don't really trust Tanner Houck that much, to be clear. I still think that that guy is a bullpen pitcher through and through. But between Sale, the way he's looked, and Cutter effing Crawford, um, I trust Tanner Houck more than those two guys. I do think the lineup, you know, Andrew's right. Probably Yoshida gets a day off. You're not going to have Reese McGuire in there. It's going to be Connor Wong. Ref Snyder's probably going to get in there too. But – I still think they can score enough runs. Detroit's got one of the worst pitching staffs in baseball. Um, like their, their starter ERA, I think they're one of only two teams that are lower than the Red Sox right now for starter ERA. So that tells you how bad their their starting rotation has been so far. So I think the Red Sox can put up some runs, and I think this will be the one that they, uh, they can pull off. So the series finale will be on – Sunday afternoon, one We've got Cutter Crawford against Matthew Boyd, another left-hander. So, uh, Terry, who you got?
2: I'm not going to pick Cutter Crawford. I mean, he's not a guy who's going to paint the corners or get guys to chase a whole lot. He's going to be over the plate, and I think Detroit will probably find ways to put the ball in play and um, end up taking this. Let me also throw out there because I mean I we don't play the Tigers a lot and and um, I don't know how many opportunities I'll have for this. Their manager AJ Hinch, I will bet either of you money he goes back to Houston uh, this this off season. And I, I think there's been a, a you know a wink wink nod nod behind the scenes like just get through the year. Dusty's going to retire because they're mum on his future. And even he's kind of playing along like, yeah, sometimes you gotta, you just gotta hang it up. And, uh, I think, I think Hinch is going back to Detroit and I think the Red Sox kind of paved the way for that by bringing back Cora. So, um, yeah, but so, uh, to wrap it up, I, I have the Red Sox, uh, only winning one out of three.
0: Yeah. This one, uh, picking the Red Sox. I don't think Matthew Boyd's that good. Even when he was, you know, doing his best, <laughs> Sort of say he's hit pitched in five career games against Red Sox, ERA north of five. Um, I think they'll make some decent contact. I think that outfield's a lot bigger. I think some of these balls are going to fall down, especially Verdugo and Yoshida. I think they should be able to spray um, around some hits with him. Um, you know, shallow line drives into the outfield. So I think they'll. Uh, I think they're going to put up a cricket number against Matt Boyd, and hopefully the their bullpen's a little worn out by the final game the series
1: yeah I I wanted to pick the Red Sox for this one because I don't like Matthew Boyd either I think he's he's pretty much trash but uh I can't trust Cutter Crawford to keep it together for four or five innings and it's going to depend on lot on you know how much the bullpen is used during the sale game if sale only makes it two three innings and you've got to put Winkowski in there for a lot and use a lot of relievers and then we know Tanner Houck's not going to go deep, so you're probably going to need to use the bullpen there. Um, if the bullpen's spent and you've still got the Tampa series on the horizon and Cutter Crawford has to stay out there for five, six innings and you know see the lineup a third time through, I think you could get tattooed. So I'm going to go with Detroit with that one. I got Detroit winning two out of three. Um, so I think we all have Detroit winning two out of three, actually.
2: That's I think Andrew's got it two to one, Red Sox. Uh, oh, you do? Okay. Uh, yeah. it, it's also worth noting that two, well, both of their wins, the the Tigers are two and four, I think, just like us. Uh, both of their wins came against the Astros, so, um, you know, that's a, maybe, maybe they got a little bit of momentum here uh, coming into their home opener.
1: Yeah, I mean, they got some interesting young guys in their lineup, so um, it could be a lot like the Pittsburgh series where you're getting beat by young guys that you don't know about yet. So we'll see how that goes. But, uh, all right, any final thoughts before we wrap up for the night?
2: I think I'm good. I think I'm good.
1: Uh,
0: They just got to be clean in all aspects, just, you know, on the team flight tonight, kind of man-to-man, figure it out, and just really go about making a business trip.
1: Yep, especially with that Tampa series uh, lurking right afterwards. So. All right, well, we will be back with you guys. The weekend crew has got you on Sunday night. They'll wrap up the Detroit series, and they'll preview Tampa, uh, that road series next week. So from all of us here, we'll see you guys later. Take care.